thank you for joining us for this podcast from Abundant Life. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this word. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to talk to you uh, out of the book of Haggai. If you want to go ahead and try to find that, just go to Matthew and start backing up a few pages. Verses I'm going to read will be on the screen. Before I get into that, let me say thank you to uh, everybody for the birthday wishes, uh, phone calls, emails, text messages from yesterday. Um, The funniest, somebody turned back one of my jokes on me uh, that I've said to people for years. Somebody told me, uh, Pastor, you don't look a day over 53. I'm going to have to look back and see who put that yesterday because now I'm a day over 53. But I thank God for another year of life. I thank God uh, for the opportunity to continue to serve the Lord and to lead what I believe is not only one of the most unique churches in America, but a church that is actually doing what God has called us to do. Listen to this one verse of scripture out of the Old Testament book, Haggai chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider how things are going for you. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, How Are You Doing? Or, as our friends up north say, How You Doing? Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for the Holy Spirit that gives us life, and I pray now, God, that you'd anoint me with your spirit to say the things that you would have me to say. God, I pray that you would help us to hear things today that would teach us to be and to do all that you've called us to be and to do. Lord, I thank you for placing this church in this community. Lord, we pray for our community. We pray for our city, God, that you would use us as your hands and feet to pour out your love to everyone everywhere we go. God, we sanctify this time to you now and ask you to use it for your glory, God. I pray, Lord, for transition today. I pray for a leap forward in the spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. How are you doing? Now, I've been doing ministry for a long time, and one of the ways 35 years ago when I started in ministry, they always started off what they call preacher boys in Nursing homes. They don't call them nursing homes that much anymore. Anybody know what they call them? The assisted living facility. And they would always send us young preachers to the assisted living facilities. And I found out something as a young minister there because the typical question, what's up? How you doing? What's going on? How you feel? You just say that in common to your friends. Hey, what's up? How's it going? You don't expect a response. You're just like, everything's everything, and you just keep walking. There's no real conversation going on there. Go ahead. Ask an old person. How you feel today, Mrs. Smith? Pull up a chair. She's got things. She, I don't know if there's a lumbago or a lumbago. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how many different hips a person can have. But when they start telling you all four of their hips is hurting, they got arthritis in all 27 of their joints, and they start telling you where the joints are. Different joint. Keep your head up. That's funny. But they will tell you how they're doing. Listen, most people will not. Most people, especially church people, because church people learn how to be fakes and phonies early in the game. Church people learn how to put on church. 
church people learn how to get dressed up. That's why one of the funniest, these really cool churches that do dramas and skits before every service, and I love that, and we're going to do more of that on Sunday night. We've already had some of that, but they show the family, you know, real typical family like these folk even exist some of y'all got a real family like uh, a husband a wife kids it was all born to the same crew riding to church together and they show that you know typical family driving screaming and hollering at each other cussing each other out throwing stuff and then they pull up in the church parking lot and the dad looks at everybody and says lock it in Get it together. And everybody puts a smile on their face. Good morning, Pastor. Hallelujah. Glad to be in church today. And people have learned how to be fake in church. So much so that we've adopted cliches out of the loosely out of the Bible that don't even always pertain to us. And when someone says, how you doing? We just throw back weird stuff that we heard others. Oh, I'm blessed. I'm so blessed. I couldn't be any more blessed. Yes, you could. Oh, Pastor, I'm so blessed. I'm, I'm above and not beneath. I'm the head and not the tail. God is smiling on me. The windows of heaven are opened up over me. Uh, really? Because rumor on the street is your lights are off. You know, I, I, I had somebody tell me in church one time, Pastor, every time I go home, I got to take the battery out of my car because I know the repo man's looking for it, and I don't want him taking it in the middle of the night. Let me give you a hint. Taking the battery out of your car will not stop a tow truck from dragging it. But they'd still tell you, oh, I'm so blessed. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't be doing any, God is good. Listen, it don't make God any less good for you to tell the truth. How are you doing? I am going to continue to be as real and raw and as relevant as I possibly can be. I'm going to continue to try to be honest about where I am and get you to be honest about where you are because until we get honest about what's going on, we can't expect any change. And there's a lot of change that needs to happen. So this morning, as we think about how we're doing, put put verse 5 back on the screen. For me, Deacon. Last part of it. Consider how things are going for you. Now, if we went around the room, we started with Lisa and we went all the way around the room back to Deacon Jimmy in the sound booth. If we went all the way around the room and I just said, how are things going for you? Some people just based on personality would say, I'm okay and wouldn't want to talk a lot. Other people would just give you the long list, right? I mean, from, you know, I just don't know about these toenails because one is growing longer. And they just give you random stuff, and you're like, I wasn't really trying to get that deep. But I do want you to consider this morning because the Bible tells us to consider how are things really going for you? Because I don't believe that the average born-again believer, this message for Christians this morning, I don't believe the average born-again believer is as blessed as God wants them to be. God is our Father. Most children aren't as blessed as mom and daddy want to bless them. Why? Because they get in their own way. They prevent us from pouring out blessing on them because we have to use it for a teaching moment. Jesus said it's the Father's good pleasure to give you everything. God wants to bless his children But if we took honest account of how things are going for us, I don't believe the average Christian is as blessed as they could be. 
I don't believe the average person in this room that's truly saved is as blessed as they could be. And I'm going to teach this morning about a subject that I know most people don't want to hear. I'm going to teach about a subject this morning that pastors get criticized for talking about more than anything else. All my sermons are available for free online through our podcast, through our website. I don't charge anything for it. I don't make anything off it. You can go back and you can see how often does Scott Becker preach about money. I'm going to talk to you about money this morning, not because I'm trying to get yours. Listen, I get a check. doesn't matter what the offering is. I'm not like, uh, I know some pastors, they take money right out of the bucket. Number one, that's against the law. And number two, I get a salary. I've been getting the same salary uh, for a long time. Week in, week out, our whole staff gets the same money. So don't ever think that if I mention money, oh, pastor must be tight this week and he needed some extra. I didn't get a dime from anyone in this church for my birthday. Didn't want a dime from anyone in this church. for. I hear pastors getting cars and jewelry and trips. The church gives me nothing for my birthday because I ask for nothing. All right, so this is not about me. This is about us being blessed. This is about me wanting to see you come out from under the stress and the strain of financial difficulty. The Bible says that the borrower is slave to the lender. I have had bills, and I have had no bills, and I like no bills better. I have written a check for the house that I live in, and I have financed houses, and I like writing checks better. It's better to pay stuff off. And you say, well, that's just not feasible for me. I remember the first time a man named Victor told me, Pastor, you need to live within your means. I said, I do live. I live below my means. He said, do you have a mortgage? I said, well, everybody. I thought he was crazy. I didn't believe that it was possible for a person below 70 to live in a paid-for home. And I'm not going to talk to you anymore about mortgages this morning. But what I do want to talk to you about is a way that God can begin to shower money down on you. I don't preach health, wealth, and prosperity messages often, but I model it and I live it in front. You say, Pastor, how can you be saying you model prosperity driving that 07 uh, Navigator with almost 200,000 miles on it? Well, that's how I got money in my pocket. There's a message there. All right? I, I, I want to see you not be stressed over money. There is no reason that people who claim to be heirs of God and join heirs with Christ should feel broke or be broke. And you can make all these confessions. I see people on social media, I declare I will never be broke another day in my life. And I scroll back and I say, didn't they just say, they said that last year. So evidently there's more to it than just declaring. There's some work that has to be done, say work. I want us to look into the scripture because I believe the Bible has the answers for every question that we have need of. We can just continue to quote that my God shall supply all my need. We can continue to quote that my God owns the cattle on a thousand hill. We can continue to quote that the silver and gold are his. But if you don't have any of it in your pocket, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. We're representing our father poorly if we are fitting into that old cliche of Busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted. We ought to be blessed for real, not just in lip service. We ought to be able to have something to give away to people who are hurting because God put us in this earth to minister to people who are hurting. If you ask somebody for $20, if they don't have it, they can't give it to you. If you ask somebody for $20 and they have it, they could possibly 
give it to you. I want you to be able to position yourself to where God can shower down blessings on you so you can be a blessing. This is what I believe about blessing. This is what I believe the Bible teaches about blessing. We're not just blessed for ourselves. God blesses us so we can be a blessing. Here, here's the whole picture. I'll give you the end, and we'll backtrack to the beginning. I believe God wants our lives to look like a funnel. He just wants to pour out big stuff on the top end of us so it can flow through us and pour out on others. If you're not letting God pour blessing into you that you're pouring out onto other people, you're missing out. And we're going to see today how you can access some of these things that God has promised to you because of just holding up your Bible saying, this is my Bible, I have what it says I have. If you don't have rent this month, you don't have what the Bible says you have. If you're worrying about what's going to get cut off first, the light bill or the water, you don't have what it says you can have because this book says God wants to pour out finances on you so big that you can't even contain it. Pour out finances on you that you have to look for creative ways to be able to give money away to other people. Now, here's what I hope. I hope your response will not be typical. I hope you won't shut down. Let me say it again. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to get you somewhere where you're not just getting by, but you're getting blessed. Because we need to be able to brag on God. We need to be able to let people know, my father takes care of me, not just with a promise. Well, I know he's going to come through. I wish he'd hurry. No, we need to be able to represent God in such a way that people will believe our story. I don't want you to be the way people were in Isaiah's day, and it's hard because people are still that way this day. Listen to what they said in Isaiah 30 and 10. They, that's church folk, they tell the prophets, shut up. We don't want any more of your reports. They, church folks, say, don't tell us the truth. Tell us nice things. Tell us lies. And then Fleetwood Mac stole scripture and made a million dollars on a song, tell us lies, tell us sweet little lies, tell us lies. Church folk want to be told easy stuff. Why? Because most people are immature. Kids don't want to hear about proper nutrition. They want more candy. Kids don't want to hear about the need for proper rest and sleep. They want to stay up late and watch uh, on demand. Kids don't want to hear about study hard so you can get into college. They want to hear about, I need to hang out with my friends. Why? We want to hear what we want to hear. But sometimes broccoli is better for you than cotton candy. Sometimes it's better to get your rest than to miss your rest. And we need to hear the truth. Say truth. So I'm going to hit you with some truth today, and I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go through some verses quickly, and I'm just going to do what I've committed my life to do. Those of you all that know me, you've probably heard me say it. When I committed my life to full-time gospel ministry, it was largely based on a scripture that I read in the Old Testament where it said that Ezra stood up before the people. He read the scripture, and he caused it to make sense. I'm going to read some scripture to you this morning. I'm going to cause it to make sense. I'm going to read fast. I want you to listen fast so we can learn what the word of the Lord is. In Haggai chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, On August 29th, so we're in a good month. On August 29th, the second year of King Darius' reign. This is the second year we've been in this church, so we're in a good time frame in this location. The Lord gave a message through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, 
the high priest. Verse 2 says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house, the temple. Now I'm going to say it always. I'm going to say it again and again. When you read scripture or any other literature, pay attention to the punctuation. It's there for your perfection. It'll help your understanding. This is what the Lord Almighty says, colon. This is what the Lord Almighty says. This needs pause. This is a setup for what's coming, but we need to understand who is speaking. And the scripture declares, this is what the Lord Almighty says. God is saying something. Should we listen? Hear the word of the Lord. The people are saying, comma. Comma gives you cause to pause. This comma is offsetting what we just heard. Who was the setup talking about talking? God. Now who's talking? People. So which one you think is more important, God or people? I just want to make sure you're alive. The people are saying the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house, the temple. Now, whether you're talking about rebuilding the Lord's house, whether you're calling it the temple, the church, gathering place, whether you're talking about doing an outreach, an inreach, a missions trip, a feeding program, whether you're talking about coming back on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, this is the way that the devil gets inside the head of even true Christians. Ain't the right time. I don't think this is for my season. As soon as I get to this part, as soon as the kids get back to school, as soon as we get through Thanksgiving, as soon as we get through Christmas, as soon as the new year, as soon as I get past wedding anniversary, church anniversary, birthday, there's always something every 45 days on the calendar by design to give you another stopping point. To give you, well, once interim report cards come out. Well, once we get through this grading period. Well, you know, once springtime happens and, 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 you know, uh, it warms up a little bit. Well, once the fall gets here and the bugs aren't biting so bad. There's always a not yet. Don't live in a not yet frame. Live in a right now frame. The Bible says God is the God of today. 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 This is a right now God. Jesus said when he was teaching his disciples to pray, give us this day. God wants you to have a this day relationship. Some country crooner, I don't live, that's not my genre of music. I, I told y'all I'd rather be beating the face with a dead rat than listen to southern gospel music. But some, some of us got good words. Some of us got good lyrics. This ain't even southern gospel music. This is just straight out country. Some crooner said, uh, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. And y'all remember that? Y'all don't remember that. One, that's the way you have to approach life though. And God is real one day at a time. If you try to approach life, well, down the road, I'm going to start praying. Down the road, I'm going to start reading my Bible. Down the road, I'm going to put myself in a blessable position so I can do what God has called me to do. Then you are falling into this trap of not yet. If you don't hear anything else I have to say to you today, hear this. Not yet is a trap. Not yet is a trap. Not yet is always the trap of the devil because the devil will use procrastination when he can't stop you, he wants to stall you. See, he can't, he can't stop the true child of God. You're going to get to where God has to get you, but he can stumble you on the way. He can't halt you, but he can hinder you. He, he can't destroy you, but he can delay you. And the way he does it is through procrastination. The way he gets us to procrastinate is by believing, well, not yet. I'm not ready yet. 
I don't really think it's my season yet. I'm not going to go both feet in yet. And if we really had the time and enough honest people in the room, we could have story after story right now of what you're procrastinating on right now. And why you're not doing what God. Some of you have the gift to teach. You've never come to me and told me that you have the gift to teach and you'd love to teach. Some of you have the gift to preach. Some of you have the gift of prophecy. Some of you have, some of you have passion to do different types of ministry. And you're just sitting back thinking, well, it's not my season. Listen, Jesus said you better work now Amen. while it's day. Amen. Because there's a time coming when we ain't going to be able to work. We only have today promised to us. Yesterday's gone. Tomorrow is not promised. If you're going to do anything for the Lord, you need to do it now. That's why God said we have to redeem or make best use Deal with the day. Redeem the time for the days are evil. The, the trick, the trap of the enemy is to get you to live in a not yet trap. I want you to get out of not yet. And I want you to get into now. Say now. They said the time is not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Now this is what's hilarious. God has been telling them what to do. And they're saying it's not time. Could you imagine, my, my son passed out right now just at the thought of it. If I told him to go upstairs and clean his room, and he said, no, it's not time for that. <laughs> oh. Somebody get, I need a fan. I had to fan myself with an old funeral fan like I was in old church. Listen, if the father says to do it, and the children say, ain't time for all that. Somebody's missing something. Somebody's taking the, 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 their, their life out from under the opportunity to be blessed. And they're putting their life in harm's way. Especially if you live in my house. When God says it's time, guess what it is? Let's look at verse 3. So, so the Lord sent a message. Why? Because people are crazy. So the Lord sent it. Why did the Lord send his message? Because what the people were saying. God sends them a message and lets them know. If you're going to argue with me, God said, do this. They said, I ain't got time for it. I don't believe it's for me right now. That's for other people. That's not for me. So God sent them a message. Listen, some of God's messages are like, woohoo. Some of God's messages are like, oh, mercy. God sent a message. Through the prophet Haggai, listen, don't believe everybody who calls themselves a prophet is really a prophet. And prophecy is not about fortune telling. Prophecy is not about telling me whether it's going to rain tomorrow or not. That's a fake weatherman. And if you live in North Florida, you just predict 30% chance of rain. And either way, you're just like, well, I said it might, and it did. I said it might, and it didn't. But prophecy is not about saying spooky stuff. Weird stuff. I already told y'all. You go to a service and some dude gets his eyes glazed over. Mmm, hallelujah. Mmm, mmm, mmm. What's you, you got bad taste in your mouth? Mmm, oh, mmm, ah, mmm, oh, yeah, mmm, ah, mmm, ah, mmm, ah. You ought to get up and leave. That's an acting job. That's fake, phony church. Mmm, oh, mmm, yes, mm, oh, ha, mmm, yes. Uh, the, spirit, the spirit of the Lord said, I, I, I'm a, mm, ha. all that, they need medication. 
Ain't normal. Jesus never walked around. Mm, oh, mm, ah. There's none of that in the Bible. Well, I don't appreciate that. My former pastor, my grandfather's auntie's nephew, niece, on my third cousin twice removed from nine divorce side did, did that, and he was Holy Ghost filled. Whatever. Find it in the Bible. These people talking about on this side of the church. The Spirit of the Lord says there, there, there's a woman who's been hurt by a man. Ladies, is that prophecy or common sense? That's common sense. That ain't no prophecy. That's a dude trying to get you to give him money because, oh, man, I, I sow into Prophet Bobo ministry because he hears from the Lord. He, he, I've been hurt, and he called that out. Mm, uh, mm, uh. Somebody on this side. Mm, oh. Yep, back. Somebody has had a back pain on this side of the What? You've had a back pain? That ain't prophecy. You're more than nine years old. You had a back pain. If it wasn't nothing but somebody being a pain in your back. That is not what prophecy is. And if somebody's prophecy to you, Pastor Scott, the word of the Lord came to me last night. God told me to call you and tell you that he has seen your struggle and your blessing is coming. And God, eh, That ain't the way God prophesied to folks. Well, how do I know? Because the Bible says what has been will be and there's nothing new under the sun. And do you know what prophets came to say? Judgment's coming. You better get right with God. That's prophecy. You want Bible prophecy? Now, that's not to say that the Lord can't speak blessing over you. There's blessing written all through the Bible. I don't need anybody to tell me God has seen my tears and my effort. The Bible already says that the Lord is not unfaithful, and in all labor there is profit. The Lord is not unfaithful to forget your labor of love. The Bible already declares that to me. But prophecy, the majority of prophecy is this. God knows what you're up to, and you better quit. Because trouble's coming. That's what the prophet's message typically was. Let's listen to what this prophet says. See, see what's going on. In verse 4, this is the message that came through the Lord. It's prophet in verse 3 and verse 4. Here's the quotation. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lays, lies in ruins? Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. Well, it ain't me. I live in a trailer. <laughs> ain't me because I'm renting. Ain't me because my house is just my house so nasty the rats moved out. <laughs> if you have a roof over your head, you are doing better than 90% of people on this planet. When we talk about people being broke in America, listen, if you got a cell phone, cable TV, and a pack of cigarettes and your own lighter, you ain't broke. You got a refrigerator with something in it other than dust, you're not broke. You got a pantry in it with something other than lint. You're not broke. Not broke on world standard. Listen, so, so don't think what luxurious, that is a relative term. Just like tall and short is a relative term. Now, if, uh, if, if I stood up here, I don't even know if we got any. We ain't got not one man in here 6'4". Okay, Jimmy. Oh, the man behind you? All right. If I, if I stood next to that brother, I'd look short. I face, all right, I see this big man. I, I, I would look short. 
Now, if I stand next to, to Brother David, I look tall. You see what I'm saying? It's all relative. Because they're just under five foot ten, half the people are shorter than me, half the people taller than me. Luxurious is a relative term. Don't think, well, my house not luxurious as, as Elder Roberts. Nobody's is. Come on, let's be honest. But it's, it's, not compa- it's, it's not comparing it to the top. It's just saying if your house, if you have a house that you live in, and this God's house needs help, you got your focus on the wrong thing. Don't think that anybody's exempt. Nobody's exempt from what God has to say. Verse 5, he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider how things are going for you. Exclamation point. Pay attention to the punctuation. Exclamation point. Consider how things are going for you. Bam! That's right at you. That is right at you. How you doing? See, God knows. If I say, how you doing, how's it going? Eh, I might have an idea. But God, God is like, look, I've called you to do something. You're worrying about you. I've called you to do something for me. How's that working out for you? That's Dr. Phil. I don't, I don't watch Dr. Phil. I've heard him before. Don't, don't think I'm a Dr. Phil guy. I'm not. I'm a Jesus man. But, but Dr., Dr. Phil throws that at smart mouth people. How's that working out for you? It's the same thing. This is, what God, this is God's how's that working out for you moment. This is God, you focusing on you when I've called you to focus on my kingdom. How you doing? Exclamation point. God already knows, and if we'd be honest, we need help. If we'd be honest, we could use some more stuff. If we'd be honest, a couple, you know, extra dollars wouldn't hurt right now. Verse 6, he said, you have planted much, but harvested little. Mm. Now, we need to think about this. There's a period there. That's a whole thought to itself. You've planted much, but harvested little. There are people in this room like that. You've worked hard, but you don't have a whole lot to show for it. You have done stuff. You don't have a whole lot to show for it. Or you might have some to show for it, but you don't have as much to show for it as you know you ought to. He went on to say, you have food to eat, okay, but you don't have enough to fill you up unsatisfiable you got a spirit that you just want more you want more you're not satisfied you don't have everything that you need it says you have wine to drink well every drunk knows that verse (laughs) but not enough to satisfy your thirst listen anybody know why they drink so much wine in the bible because the water was contaminated keep your mind straight you got you got clean water to drink don't get crazy on me You have clothing to wear, but not enough to keep you warm. Listen, the average person should have more to show for the life they live than what they have. Sure, you got food in your belly. Sure, you got clothes. Sure, you got a place to live. Sure, you got something to drink. But it is not what it should be. What happens? Look at the bottom of the screen. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is the story of the average church member. This is the story of the average Christian. They know, especially some of y'all are wise enough to have sat down and looked at your finances. The rest of y'all, you need to. Some of you are wise enough to have sat down and realized, I got enough money coming in, I shouldn't be this broke. 
Some of y'all are wise enough to have set a budget and, and, and are smart enough to be scratching your head wondering, why, why do, I'm, I'm trying to make this money last to the end of the month, but there seems to be more month at the end of the money. Why? You make enough? On paper, it looks good. What happened? You're putting it in a pocket with holes in it. Listen to verse 7. Hey, guess who put the hole in the pocket? Let's watch. Let's find out. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Consider how things are going for you. Boop. Here we are again. Exclamation point. God is reading their mail. You make good money. You make more than you should have to spend. You ought to be able to store some of it up. Looks good on paper. What's up? How you doing? Is that work? How's that working out for you? He knows that the math is not balancing, and he knows why, and he's trying to get them to see it. Verse 8 says, now go up to the hills and bring down timber and rebuild my house. Then I will take pleasure in it. Be honored, says the Lord. God just told people, I know you ain't got enough. I know you, you, all, your, all your money run out the pole in your pocket. I know that you are not doing well financially. Go up to the hills and bring down timber. That takes time, money, and work. He's telling people who are struggling to go to work and spend money. Here's what most people say. Pastor, you know, if I, if I come into some money, I'm going to give some. If I, get a, if, I get my, if, I, if I get my money right, I'm going to start giving. If, if I get a promotion, if I, once I get this car paid off, I'm going to start giving. Listen, those are all lies from the devil. Giving is not a matter of the checkbook. Giving is a matter of the heart. People are like, well, I can't afford to give. I told y'all, I had one person challenge me on that one time. I was teaching a, a uh, financial seminar, and I had a couple right here. I was standing down front, had a little wooden lectern out, teaching on the floor on a Sunday night, and I had a first-time visiting couple, old, old white dude and white woman, and I told them, everybody that's a Christian has enough money to pay the tithe. And I saw people look at me. I ain't got an extra 10%. I said, I promise you. I said, if you will be honest, I can show you that you have enough money to pay the tithe. If, you, if you're one of those people that believe in the lie of the devil, that you don't have enough money to give God a dime out of a dollar, you see me after this service, and I'll show you how you can tithe. And this lady came up to me with her husband dragging behind her. Listen, that's not a good look, y'all. <laughs> Ladies, don't beat him down so hard that when he, he's standing there meeting a person for the first time, he's like this and you're all swole up. That's against the laws of nature. But anyway, different subject, different message for a different crowd. She drags her little husband up there. He's being pitiful. She's doing all the talking. She said, I disagree with everything you've said. Good news about that is everything I said is in the book. Okay, because I ain't preaching opinion or Reader's Digest. I'm preaching Bible. So let's go with that. I said, well, what, what exactly? I mean, everything's a broad, broad discussion. I said, my name is Scott. We got to agree on that. It's on my birth certificate. But she said, we can't afford to tithe. We are on a fixed income. Let me break this down for y'all. Most people are on a fixed income. If you get a check that's the same every week, you're on a, I'm on a fixed income. And we can't afford to tithe. Well, she sat her purse down on my podium. That's bad etiquette, but I'm going to let that go. Because God allowed that to happen. Because at the top of her purse bulged a cell phone 
and a pack of cigarettes. I said, how much that pack of cigarettes cost? She said, I'm not going to let you judge me about smoking. I said, no, ma'am, I don't judge anybody about smoking. I tell people straight up, smoking and drinking ain't no different than, than being negative, or critical, or a glutton. God, God ain't no more mad at, at, at cigarettes than he is at somebody drinking nine Mountain Dews in a day. Okay? You don't talk about the body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. You shouldn't smoke. I don't smoke. Shouldn't eat all that pork either, though. Okay? Let's just be honest. I said, I'm not judging you. I'm just asking you how much cigarettes cost. I said, while we're at it, I see that cell phone in there. I need a cell phone. I said, no, ma'am, you don't. You don't need those cigarettes. You don't need those cell phones. Let me talk to you about TV. You got cable? Basic cable is all we pay for. So, well, you don't have to have cable TV. I grew up with no cable. How many people grew up with no cable TV? I used to get on the roof and turn the antenna. <laughs> screaming at me. Back! What? Seeing nothing but snow on the roof. On, on the screen. <laughs> no snow on the roof. People want to say what they can't do when it's really about what they're not willing to do. So I have sunny delight in my refrigerator, and I make good money, and I have money in the bank, and my children have a trust fund. I'm not bragging. I'm giving God praise, but I don't have name brand. I got Bobo ice cream in my freezer. What do I look like? paying twice as much for Edie's ice cream and what's that boy's name? Ben and Jerry's ice cream. When, when Wal, I, I shop for my groceries at Walmart. Why? Because they're rolling back prices. Well, I shop at Publix. Well, It's cleaner. I can dust my can of corn. I don't eat the can, no way. God says, get up there and get to doing it. They didn't say, well, you just told us we're broke. How are we going to go get the timber? Start moving. Put one foot in front of the other. God is not going to let you wait to get blessed. You got to do something to get blessed. This is the trap that people are stuck in. You think you're going to do better when you can do better. You got to do better to get positioned to where God can bless you to do better. He said, go and then. When is then? Then is always after. God wants you to do something first and after that. God's going to do something special. You don't grow a harvest until you plant a seed. God said, get up there and get that timber and do the work that I called you to do. And then I'll take pleasure in it and I will be honored, says the Lord. Verse 9, he said, you hoped for rich harvest, but they were poor. You wanted a promotion, didn't get it. You, wanted, you got it, didn't come with no extra money. You got it, it came with extra money. Threw you in a higher tax bracket. Didn't, didn't amount to a whole lot at the end of the day. See, here's the thing about math. P people say that, that uh, figures don't lie. Well, figures don't lie, but liars can figure. And numbers can be stacked any kind of way to say what they want to say. And if you add your numbers up, and they make sense to you and a math major, but I add my numbers up and God puts his blessing on them, I'm going to stay with me and God's math over your math any day of the week. You hope for harvest, rich harvest. We thought this was going to be our year. Well, guess what? 
It's not going to be your year as long as you claim Christ and don't honor him with your finances. And when you brought your harvest home, I blew it away. I am so tired of hearing churches say, we're going to take back what he stole from me. We're going to stomp, stomp, stomp on the devil. Pastor, the devil messing with my finances. Why? Because God put a hole in your pocket and God blew your money away? Where do you see the devil in that? Saying about the God, God said, you brought your harvest, that's money, resources home, and the devil got in and destroyed. That's not what the Bible says. I blew it away. Obvious next word is why. Father, why? Good merciful God. Why? Loving Jehovah who wants to provide for me. Why? Because my house lies in ruins, says the Lord Almighty. While you're all busy building your own fine houses, the church of the living God should never have need. The church should have fullness to give away to people who have need. That's the pattern for why God puts churches in communities. We shouldn't have to be asking up here, stop and bring a can of peanut butter, or a jar of peanut butter by this week. We should have overflowing offerings to the point where we're buying food for the entire city. We should have overflowing budgets to the point where we are outfitting everybody with everything. God will blow it away. Why? Because you're doing things when there's need in the house of the Lord. Well, I'm not spending that much money. I had somebody come by the church one time, and I finally had to stop being the, the, the finance uh, dude that, that says yes or no to compassionate benevolence because it's just hard for me to turn people away. People come, and they'll be like, Pastor, uh, I can't pay my light bill, and $270. And I'm like, you run some AC, don't you? $270. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a little high this month, and uh, they're about to turn it off. And so now I turn that over to the staff. I don't mess with that. Because people come in and you turn tears on to me. You tell me that, you know, the, the baby's milk going to go bad in the refrigerator. I, I was just telling Dina, write, write them a check. We, we can't have them. But I turn that over now. We, we got a financial department, you know, group that oversees all that stuff. I saw this woman the very next day. The very next day with her four daughters. In some restaurant. I don't remember where it was, but I don't eat at checkers and rallies. So I, I, I think it was Olive Garden. Just took $275 from the church because you can't pay a light bill. Now you're out at Olive Garden with five people. I, I walked right up to her. I said, money must be good. Y'all eating big tonight. She looked at me with all the gall of Satan himself and said, my kids deserve to eat at a nice restaurant just as much as yours do. Well, I'm 215 pounds. I ain't no punk. I ain't scared of nobody, especially no single woman with four small children she'd have to chase away. She can't run me down. she got to stay with them children. But that's funny. So I told her. She said, my kids deserve to eat at a nice restaurant just as much as yours. I said, not when you come to church begging money for your light bill, they don't. God is concerned with your money. God 
can bless your money or he can <laughs> blow on it. Now listen, some, some of y'all lived through some natural disasters. Some of y'all been in hurricanes. Some of y'all, some of y'all been in tornadoes. Some of y'all been in earthquakes. Some of y'all been in different kind of stuff. Listen, I don't know what category storms are. They're always talking about if it's a depression or a tropical storm or, or a nor'easter, or all these different titles they have for these wind surges and different things. Listen, I don't know what category a big storm is. But I'm telling you what, if God blows on it, and God says, I'm going to blow it away. It's blown away. You're not catching it. If God says he put a hole in your pocket, you're not sewing that up quickly. He'll put another hole in your pocket. You stack it up, he'll blow it away. Why? Because there's stuff that needs to be done in my kingdom, and you're not getting it done. Verse 10 says, that's why the heavens have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its crops. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know why. Pastor, I just don't know why God ain't blessing me. I'm just the best I can, and I'm in church, and, uh, and the devil's just messing with me and just trying. The devil should not be getting so much credit. Here's the problem with theology like that. There's a group of people that blame the devil for every bad thing and give themselves credit for everything. It's because I... My confession brought me over. My faith, my declaration, I believed, so I received. Give no credit to God. Give no blame to God. Listen, blaming the devil and giving credit for yourself is not biblical. God is always in control. The heavens have withheld to do, and the earth withheld its crops, not because the devil's messing with anybody, but because... The order is not being right because God is blowing on your stuff and not letting it stack up and is not allowing blessings to fall on you. Verse 11 says, I have called for a drought on your fields and hills. This is not the devil. God called for a drought on your field. Listen, if God calls for a drought, guess what you're going to get? Work hard as you want to. Set up a sprinkler system. Pay, pay pest control. The chinch bugs still eat your grass out. A, dr- a drought to wither the grain and grapes and olives and all your other crops. A drought to starve both you and your cattle and to ruin everything you have worked so hard to get. Well, I just don't believe a loving, gracious, kind, tender-hearted, merciful God would do that. What Bible are you reading? You do not have to speak Hebrew to, to understand the Scripture. You don't have to be a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist to get what God is saying. God is clearly taking credit and ownership for why certain lives are the way they are. Listen, and you cannot fix it without his help. Y'all getting stiff on me. I'm going to hurry up and finish. Verse 12. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant, say everybody, of God's people obeyed the message from the Lord their God. It had been delivered by Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent. And the people worshiped the Lord in earnest. Then, see, here's what God expects. God expects the same thing every real father expects. When I tell you what to do, I just want obedience without drama. I just want you to do it. In my house, I have a very short saying, but it carries a lot of weight with it. First time, every time. 
Don't ask me twice. Don't, don't make me repeat myself. I already said it once. I wasn't joking when I said it. A minute. Every real father wants obedience without drama. And this group of people heard what the father had to say. And then they took it in the end and they worshiped the Lord in earnest. That word worship means loving service. They gave God real loving service truthfully. You realize if you're coming to church but you don't read your Bible all week long, you know that you're shady. Or you know that you're not really doing all you should be. If you come to church but you don't pray as much as you should, you know that you're not doing all that you should do. If you come to church and you're not giving right and, you, and you're saved, you know that you're not doing all that you should do. You can't fit into this last sentence of worshiping the Lord in earnest. And that's where the problem comes in. These people heard something and they changed. They change. Verse 13 says, then. When's then? After. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. Exclamation point. We've been seeing these exclamation points racking up on the bad column. Now we got one swinging over to the good column. God's been telling them, I'll put a hole in your pocket. You're going to work hard and you ain't going to have nothing to show for it. You're trying to stack stuff up. <laughs> I'm going to blow on it and you're not going to have it. But when they heard the truth and they changed their mindset and resulted in changing their activity, God said, I'm with you. This is where we want to be. This is the place we want to live where God is with us. Verse 14, so the Lord sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judas, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of God's people. And they came and began their work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. God sparked the enthusiasm of the leaders and all the people. Let me tell you what needs to happen in every church in America, every church around the world, every Christian church on this planet. They need to have a spark in their enthusiasm. They need to come up in their joy. They need to spark in enthusiasm to say, I will do everything that God has purposed me to do. I will be the man God wants me to be. I will be the young person, the woman that God wants me to be. God, you need to let God spark your enthusiasm today. You need to let God give you a burst of energy that says, I can pray. I can read my Bible. I can make good choices. I can do right by my finances. I can do right by my character and my integrity. Listen, I'm not going to read a ton of scriptures. You ought to know if you've been in church more, more than a minute. God said in Malachi that if you bring the tithes into the house, that he'll open up heaven over you and pour out a blessing on you so big you can't receive it. You got a blessing on you so big you can't receive it? There are people in this church that have to constantly be given big, more chunks. You're like, well, I, you don't need my money. Listen, everybody needs to do their part, not just so the church can have money, but so you can get that hole in your pocket fixed. God commands us to bring the tithe into the temple so there's enough here so when people show up that really need a light bill paid, we can pay it. We need to give God a dime out of every dollar so when somebody shows up and needs some food, we can give it. So many churches. We got people coming to our church, food and clothing. Can't can tell you, we had people coming to our church from, and we ask them, where, where you go to church? Big churches. First Baptist Mandarin, 
what? You coming over here from the richest church on that side of the river? And you want us to give you food? Here's the food. God bless you. Go and take it. First, first Baptist Jacksonville, First Baptist Middleburg, First uh, Evangelist Temple, all these big churches, people coming to little old Bundy Life. And I asked them, have you asked your pastor? Oh, well, they, don't, they, 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 they told me that they're in a building program. They, they, they don't have the money to help us. Shouldn't be that way. People come before buildings. But you can't do nothing for people. If the church is broke, then the community has no hope. And that's why God said, bring the tithe. That's 10%, one-tenth. He said, bring it. He said, if you do, the Lord of heaven's army said, I will open the windows of heaven for you, and I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I wish that somebody would try God and put God to the test and say, I'm going to give a dime out of every dollar that comes my way because I need heaven open over me. We saw in, in Haggai's prophecy that God closed heaven over an entire group of people. Wouldn't let no rain, no dew. This is the way you open heaven up back over you. This is how you get your pocket fixed. This is how you get God to stop blowing on them. Verse 11 says, your crops will be abundant. I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fail. You, it says the, you won't be sitting at the kitchen table. The overriding memory I have of my mother as, as a single mother sitting at the kitchen table, bills spread all the way out crying, staring over bills. She made plenty of money. But there was more, month at the, there, there were more, more days at the end of the month than there was money to go around. This is the key to fixing that. In, in, a, in a different translation, God said, I'll rebuke the devourer, and your stuff will remain. All nations will call you blessed, and your land will be a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the Bible talks about if you give a little, you get a little back. It says a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. People say, well, I don't have a lot to plant, Pastor. Uh, listen, if you've only got a little bit, your choice is to consume it yourself or to plant it and wait on your harvest to come in. If you eat the last of your seed, you have no hope to grow anything. Verse 7 says, you must decide in your heart how much to give. Hear this and I'm done. Last passage of scripture I'm going to. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Nobody should ever give in the offering because some preacher pushed them. Nobody should ever give in the offering feeling, I don't want to give this, but I guess I will. The Bible says God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Listen to what the promise in verse 8 says, and God will generously provide all you need. You cannot apply that verse to your life until you've applied the previous verses to your life. If you're not giving to the Lord, you can't expect God to supply all your need. And you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Here's what I know. Christian people are good people. Christian people want to do right, live right, act right, be right, serve God, and go to heaven. Christian people want to be able to help each other. Some of you can't help anybody because you've been holding on and spending your tithe on other things. God said, put him to the test. Give it to him. Not only will he provide everything you need, not only will you have everything you need, but you'll have plenty left over to share with others.
Listen, we are a church for all people. We are asking poor people. We are asking homeless people. We are asking people who need help to come into our church. If, every, if, if the only people we have coming into our church are, are unemployed people with no income, and the people who have income aren't giving any, that's not a recipe for ability to provide. That's why if you've got an opportunity, you need to be a blessing. If you've been blessed, you need to be a blessing to others. And as you step into obedience, God's going to give you everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Verse 9 says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. God has commanded us to give to the poor. And that's why we take up money. People say, why do they pass the plate every time we have church? We've got to take up money so we have money to give to people in need. Verse 10 says, for God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, then bread to eat. God gives to those who give. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You can't get generous once you have to give. You start giving, and God opens heaven up over you, fixes that hole in your pocket, lets your money start adding up. He, he can either multiply or he can blow on it. The choice is yours. You can let God multiply your money or you can let God blow on it. Verse 11, last verse I'm going to read. It says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. This is where we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to a place where we can take what we have, give it to all those countries on that back wall, people walking through leper colonies, orphanages, hurting people, starving people. We want to be able to give to people who come to our church that have need. We have our food and clothing ministry open for hours on Saturday. We don't want to get to a place where we're turning people away. We want to be able to take gifts and give them to those who need them so that they can thank God. So that somebody can say, there are some real churches left in the world. There are some real Christians left in the world. There are some churches that care more about helping people than driving Mercedes. Now, I ain't mad at you if you drive a Mercedes, but if you drive a Mercedes and you don't pay the tithe, the Bible says you're a thief. God said, where, where, did, where you say that you've stolen from me? You've stolen from him in tithes and offerings. God wants us to be able to bless those in need, so they can thank God and realize that God cares about them. We need to be able to have stuff, to give stuff away so that the world can know God can take care of them. Here's what I want to see happen. I want to see everybody in this church, everybody connected to Abundant Life, be prosperous. I want to see you not have holes in your pocket. I, I, I say this with humility. Every, every time you see me, Every time you see me, I will have money in my front left pocket. Every time. You know why? I don't have any holes in my pocket. I don't have any holes in my pocket. God's not blowing on my money. God's multiplying it. And I want you to get there. Don't live in a not yet. Don't say, well, it's not my time. I can't do it yet. You need to start walking in obedience. If you can trust God to get your body up into a heaven that you've never seen, you ought to be able to trust God with your light bill. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for giving those who are willing ears to hear.
even this difficult truth. God, I thank you for giving us a, a formula for success. I thank you for being willing to multiply our money. I thank you for being willing to meet our need and to bless us and pour your blessings out on us. To give us plenty left over to share with others if we'll just be willing to give. Father, I pray that you'd raise up the faith in your people. That we wouldn't wait, we wouldn't live in not yet. We wouldn't wait until something better happens to begin to do what you've called us to do. But that we would step out by faith in ministry. That we would step out by faith in love. That we would step out by faith in giving. And that we would please you with our lives. God, I pray that you bless this church. Let there always be food enough in this house for your community, God. Let there always be enough and plenty left over that we can be a blessing, Lord, to your creation. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would increase us financially so that we would never have to turn anyone away. You've been too good to us, God. You've modeled giving for us. You gave your son to us so that we could have salvation. You gave your spirit to us so that we could know how to live and to guide and empower us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would bless your people. God, I pray that you would sew up the, the holes that you've put in people's pockets as they repent and do right. God, I pray, Lord, that you would not blow on our money, but that you would multiply it and increase it. Father, I pray that you would help those who are in debt get out of debt. Lord, I pray, God, for financial increase over everybody who gives to your kingdom. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for this instruction. God, I pray that you would help us to be obedient now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We truly appreciate the opportunity to pour into your lives each week. For more information or to donate to Abundant Life's ministry, please check out our website at www.alcfnow.org.